0: Welcome to Wealth Science. I'm your host, Jesse Fuchsia, Army Ranger, real estate investor, and income enthusiast. On this show, we uncover the keys to attaining financial freedom. There are so many people listening right now who are stuck in that day-to-day, nine-to-five rat race. Luckily, it's only temporary. Each week, we bring on guests that help us discover the steps to build financial freedom, passive income, and generational wealth so we can live the life we were born to live. Money is freedom. Let's get to the show. All right. Welcome back to another episode of Wealth Science. I'm your host, Jesse Fuchsia, and today's guest is James Martin. James is the host of the Dentist to Invest podcast that just recently hit over 50,000 total downloads in less than a year. He's a thought leader and action taker for dentists, specifically in the UK, to help them create passive income and attain financial freedom. His personal portfolio and thought leadership platform focuses mainly on investing in cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin. James, bro, you and I have been on a collision path for years. Even though we just met a couple months ago, the universe has deemed this to happen, brother. I'm pumped to have you on today. Welcome to Wealth Science.
1: Dude, thank you so much for having me. And you know what, Jesse, you talked about fate in the sort of, you didn't directly say fate, but in a third person kind of context, you said fate, and I'm a great believer in fate. And wow, yeah, man, you know, when two people have energy and drive and commit, like like passion and all of those things for what we both do, yeah, it was going to
0: happen at some point. And thank you so much for having me on the show, man. Big love. (laughs) Thanks, James, bro. You're the man, dude. Like I said, I love your content. What you do for this world and how much value your platform adds and, and the people that you take on this journey, dude, it's it's life changing, and i'm and I'm so excited to share this with the audience today. For the people who don't know who you are, James, I mean, could you take a couple minutes and just introduce yourself? Absolutely. So James Martin,
1: as Jesse just said earlier, so I am someone who is originally from Northern Ireland, moved to the u k, moved to Leeds in England when I was eighteen to study dentistry at Leeds University. Did did my dental studies, went through dentistry school, that was all well and good. Always kind of felt 50-50 about dentistry, at least around about that time I did anyway. And I came out the other end, I moved to Sheffield for a little while, and around about that time, it was about 2017, I started hearing about Bitcoin on the news a lot, and I thought, okay, this sounds really cool, I'm actually so intrigued about this. How can it be that so many people can so seemingly profitable from something that is imaginary or i do not understand i do not understand at all i thought to myself okay i don't know anything about trading i don't know anything about investing but i know this is in a bubble i know this is in a bubble okay because i know that much yeah so i thought to myself i'm gonna be smart about this yeah i'm gonna wait until the bubble pops which of course it did for anybody who's into crypto around about the end of 2017 Started 2018, that thing popped, it went from 20K, it started, it stopped going upwards and it started going downwards. And I thought I'm gonna be really clever, I'm gonna wait two whole months, and by that stage, it's gonna be ready for the next rally up. Okay, but that shows everyone how little I knew around about that time. Cause normally anybody who knows anything about the bear market in crypto knows that it lasts around about a year. So I jumped in around about that point. I did atrociously badly. I lost like 60% of my, first inv- of my initial investment, my initial capital within about six, seven months. So that caused me to think to myself, what am I missing? What can I do to improve? What, what is the issue? Where is the lack of knowledge? What is my problem basically? So I started reading about crypto and then I realized that when you read about crypto, you can only get so far unless you understand money on a more fundamental level. You understand what money is, the history of money. Satoshi Nakamoto, the inventor of crypto, he, she, they, whoever they are, was a friggin' genius, okay? Because they knew so much about money, coding, computers, and also inflation, and just all the dynamics and the ins and outs of money. It's absolutely insane. And until you know that, you don't really know how crypto works. And that spawned my dual Interest, my interest in finance, my interest in crypto, which would, as, as I say, I used the word dual because it sat alongside or as a parallel to my interest in dentistry. And then as time went on, as time, as fate would have it, just as we were saying earlier, as fate would have it, I couldn't practice dentistry. I, I learned about a year ago. Well, what happened to me was I tore my ACL when I was playing football or soccer, as you guys call it in the States. And that meant that I had to have surgery as a consequence of that. I had three months out of dentistry. And during that time, I started my Facebook group who people may or may not know me from, but that's called Who Invest. So it's a community group centered around dentists who want to improve their financial knowledge, financial literacy, and then as a consequence of that, invest and trade. And then, yeah, that's the whole reason that we're sat here today. The group has grown exponentially. It basically went viral. It's now got 5,500 members on Facebook. As a consequence of that, because I speak a lot about crypto on that group, I now run a program for dentists who wish to learn about crypto, the safest ways they can invest in it and do it in a sensible way. Emphasis on sensible, because by the way, that is something that goes wanting a lot in the crypto world, investing, crypto investing world and the crypto trading world. Because everybody tries to jump in at the deep end and trade it. Whereas actually they need to have a more fundamental knowledge of how it works before it gets to that point and to cap it all off i've recently left dentistry now to pursue this as my main my main venture my main my main business interest i suppose and yeah i'm just enjoying life i'm just seeing how it goes hopefully that was what you were after
0: when you asked that question james dude this is crazy i tore my acl Uh, like a year and a half ago too so this is crazy dude you want to talk about fate it was actually my second time i tore it which was like super unfortunate but dude that that's insane dude this story is crazy so what's really cool about this i find it super interesting so you've completely left your w2 and now you fully if i understand this correctly you run the facebook page you do the podcast and, and make money from crypto is that correct
1: yeah, so I would say that my main source of income is my crypto assets and sales because I've been slowly, when I was talking about my dual passions earlier, I was so into dentistry, like I love dentistry and I used to give it my all, but I also used to give my all to learning about money and investing as well and also learning, improving my skills in crypto trading. So I basically just grew my pot of wealth over the course of the last four or five years since when I got into it. And uh, yeah, I'm now at the point where I can live off my crypto assets, which is an unbelievable thing that I feel so fortunate to say. But then as well as that, in addition to that, I also run my courses and programs to help dentists who wish to understand more about it and get into it. And also a few other things that I have on the side. So yeah, you mentioned the podcast and I have another course for dentists which I'm launching next year in 2022, which will give dentists a more broad understanding of money and where crypto fits in within that so that they know what to do with their crypto profits after this glorious bull market that we are presently in is over. Because it always, always, always does come to an end,
0: as we know, in crypto, what goes up must come down. So, yeah, exciting times, bro. Yeah, that that's crazy, dude. And I like how you mentioned even back in your intro, you know, the base of your knowledge. And when it comes to understanding cryptocurrency, like understanding what money is and what money does, dude. Like when you were first beginning in that like 2017, 2018 timeframe, like what was some of the education stuff you were getting after Because I get so many people on a daily basis who are like, Jesse, I have no idea what this even is, dude. Like I don't have the least understanding of cryptocurrency. Like what's your recommendation to people to kind of take those first couple steps to get educated? Okay, my first thing that I would say is
1: to deconstruct the fact that you trust and believe in the native currency that your company, your country, sorry, the native currency of the country that you currently reside in. Why do you trust in that so much? When you unpick what that is, you'll actually find that believing in virtually any currency across the world is a status quo. When you understand that it is a social construct, you'll also now understand why anything can have value and therefore as a consequence of that, why Bitcoin can have value, okay? So first of all, the fundamental thing to understand is that once upon a time, all currency was pegged to a certain quantity of gold. That is not the case. The only reason why we unquestionably use those currencies still is one, because there was already that ingrained belief in society that it had value at that point. And number two, because the government said, we can pay our taxes in it. So really the only fact, the only reason that you believe in that, that
0: it has value is because someone else tells you it has value if you think about it. Yeah. I mean, completely true. And like we talk about the concept of like fiat money, dude, and it's like this centralized exchange of like, I think it was in 1971, the United States president took the U.S. dollar off the gold standard, doing exactly what you're saying, that there's nothing that actually backs the U.S. dollar. It's it's just this imaginative idea that you, you have to use it to pay taxes. So I, I think that's super interesting. I mean, like kind of digging more into the edu- education space. I mean, in the beginning, like that 2017, 2018 timeframe, what kind of steps were you taking to cross that knowledge gap to really build your literacy in cryptocurrency? Awesome. Right. So the first thing that I did was try
1: to read a load of crypto trading books and money books. But really now, because I've been through that and I've realized that that is not a complete, that is a way to learn about crypto that will never give you a complete understanding. I actually wish I would have learned about finance first, because then it would have made so much more sense that way around. So there's a book that I recommend to everyone. But Usually, I'm very conscious of the fact I'm speaking to a UK audience. But you know what? There's still a lot of lessons in this book, no matter where you are in the world. And that book is called, I'm just looking over my bookshelf over here. It's called How to Own the World by Andrew Craig. So what you'll tend to find is that when you read a lot of books on finance, when you read, read a lot of books on how money works, they actually all say the same past a certain point. So you have like Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Richest Man in Babylon, Think and Grow Rich, books of that ilk, books of that nature. Even I'm looking at Tony Robbins' book over here as well, on Unshakable. I've never read it, but it is on my bookshelf. They all say things that are of the same ilk. They all say things that are roughly the same. And they say things like, money is an illusion. Inflation is real. The stock market only ever goes up. If you buy and hold certain big assets, you can only ever make money, okay? But you know that message, there will be so many people who still have not even heard that fundamental message. Yeah. And even though for me, I feel like I've, well, I personally made it made a point of not reading any more books like that because I feel like I get the message for me as someone from the outside looking in who wishes to start learning about crypto or investing those really, really, really simple books are the best place to start. I would say, to Own the World by Andrew Craig, which is a brilliant book, especially if you're in the UK, but he talks about sips and ices, and I know you guys have your 401k, so things are slightly different where you guys are, uh, so Think and Grow Rich is a great book, um, I would also recommend for an American audience, the Gone Fishing Portfolio because it specifically talks about how to set up your 401k and it's very prescriptive in what it advises. So long story short, UK audience, uh, How to Own the World by Andrew Craig, an American audience, a Gone gone Fishing Portfolio, the Gone Fishing Portfolio, two excellent books. But even if you are American or you are British, you can mix and match, read both of them, they'll help you a lot.
0: Yeah, man, I, I appreciate that. And I love you hit on Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill that like when I think back to one of the original books that set me on this trajectory, dude, and I don't know if you've read that one. But it's it's a phenomenal, phenomenal book when when all success begins at the conception of thought, you know, via no, uh, Napoleon Hill. So that's incredible, dude, kind of steering back to this like crypto uh, conversation, brother. And it's so interesting that we're we are recording this in late November 2021, because everybody's talking about the crypto bull market. And when's it Going to end like I'm. I'm curious. You know what you think, James, when it comes to identifying like the crypto market and stuff. How what should investors be paying attention to right now as we're here in kind of 2021? And, and what are your thoughts, bro? Bro, when your
1: granny comes to you and says, Jesse, I've heard you're into Bitcoin. Can you show me how to buy some Bitcoin? Okay, that's making zero presumptions about anybody's grannies and things like that. I don't want to do that. You know what I mean? But what I'm trying to say is when lots of people approach you and start saying things like, Can you teach me how to buy Bitcoin? I've heard you like Bitcoin. How do I get involved? I hear, I hear that it's a good time to buy Bitcoin right now. That is means that the end is probably
0: nigh okay so that is the first thing yeah now i know dude that's such a good point i'm sorry but that's like such a great point i don't want to cut you off but keep going dude bro for real that is the best way because it's it's the sign of
1: a market that is that is essentially very nascent and juvenile there are not that many there are not that many, relatively speaking, institutional investors. There's only three cont- constituents in the crypto market. You've got retail, you've got the miners, okay? And you've got institutions. Institutions are actually not that big a proportion of the market, maybe like 5%, 10%, okay? The miners are the biggest. They hold the most Bitcoin. But the miners are playing the retail guys. The miners are making the retail people play the miners' game, okay? Which is that they're constricting supply until the point where it gets overheated, yeah. And guess what? So the retail people are the main people who drive the value, even though the miners have the biggest proportion of crypto. Okay. So what I'm saying is retail is just Jane Doe, Joe blogs, you and I, they're the people that aren't involved in these massive institutions with billions of pounds of money, billions of dollars of money, whatever. They just dabble in crypto. They do this, they do that. They jump on the bandwagon, etc. Yeah. So when that happens, when we reach the very peak, The only reason why the Bitcoin peak happens is because we've hit the zenith of interest and there's no more money available to flow into Bitcoin. Attention is maxed out. Attention is effectively money. Those two, you can totally equate with each other, yeah? So when we reach that point, that's when it's game over. Also, do you want to know my favorite indicator? Do you want to know my favorite way that you can make what I've just described tangible? Okay, here is an insider tip, yeah? Here is my favorite, favorite, favorite way that you can detect that. Go to Google Search Trends type in buy Bitcoin, set the time span to 2004 to present, which is far as the records go back, yeah? Compare the peaks of when buy Bitcoin hit its very peak and Zenith and its all-time highs. You will see that they exactly marry up with the points that Bitcoin hit its old previous all-time highs. And you can even see it marry up with May time, February every March, April, May time this year, you can see it hits this little crest, which is also exactly what happened to Bitcoin, okay? So we call them the crypto tourists. They jump in too late. They, sell, they buy the top and they sell the bottom. You wanna be the exact opposite of that if you wanna make money. Favorite, favorite, favorite indicator, so tangible, so easy to use. Google search trends, Google search trends, search,
0: buy Bitcoin. Dude, that's insane, and I I just love what you said about when when uh whatever your friends and family are like, hey, you know, I hear all this Bitcoin stuff going on. I want to buy. That's like such an indicator of like, dude, the FOMO is starting to take over, and and this this rodeo is about to stop, dude. The music's gonna stop playing here pretty soon. So it's it, it's crazy, dude. And I think it's so important to look at market cycles and have an understanding. And I'm really interested in what you think too. Like, you know, I think that we live in this kind of like impatient society where everybody wants to be start on Monday and be a millionaire on Friday. But I think the true success is being able to hold, you know, and like you said, buy at the bottom to sell at the top. I mean, any thoughts on kind of the aspects of like being patient when it comes to this as well? I love that. Okay. So Patience is
1: your biggest asset because 99% of people can't do patience. Okay. And when you're, what I want to do is I want to make the distinction right now between trading spot Bitcoin and trading futures Bitcoin and all that other, the sexy side of crypto, like NFTs and all that crazy, the racy stuff, yield farming and things like that. If you spot trade Bitcoin, you spot trade crypto. Trust me, it takes time. Okay. The people who get impatient, feel like they've got some wind in their sails that they have to be rich tomorrow and therefore they do things that are really risky, like go all in on one crypto. They go all in on a very speculative crypto. That, you might even, that might even work for you. That might even work twice in a row for you. But if you're going all in, eventually you're going to get something that doesn't work out for you. And that no matter how much you've made at that point, you're going to lose. So that's why you have to diversify. Hold Bitcoin, hold ETH hold cash and hold some altcoins at any time, yeah? Now, by the sheer fact that you've done that, you already know that you can't get rich tomorrow, but you're also increasing your odds massively of being successful in the long run. That's what I would say to you. Patience is the biggest virtue. I once heard the markets described as a mechanism of transferring wealth from the impatient
0: to the patient. That tells you all you need to know dude. That is, that is so, that is incredible. I've got so many great quotes that I'm like jotting down here from James Martin, dude, transferring wealth from the inpatient to the patient, dude. That is, I that it. is incredible. I, and I'm glad you touched on the aspect of like diversifying and it kind of like leads into my next segue here. Like when looking at like the concepts of like Bitcoin versus altcoin or, you know, Bitcoin versus Shib or Dogecoin, you know, anything like that. Like, I guess, what are your thoughts on kind of the concepts of of altcoin versus Bitcoin? I mean, are, I you just said, like, you should be holding some altcoins, some Bitcoin, and stuff like that. I mean, any any major thoughts on kind of like those, what we would call like meme coins or like shit coins out there and stuff like that?
1: Great question. And I'm just going to, I'm glad you actually reminded me that I said that a second ago, because there's something I should do right now. I should caveat what I said a minute ago with the fact that I'm talking about that from the perspective of a trader, Okay. But that may not be the relationship that everybody wants to have with the crypto world. Because the second that you say you want to become a trader, you have to follow it every day. No ifs, no buts. If you want to be profitable, you must monitor your trades every day. And that's not going to be something that everybody's comfortable with, has the time to do, or has the willingness to put in the effort to get to that level of skill and understanding and knowledge. And that's not to say that they're lazy. That's just to say that they might have lots of other things going on in their life. And that's totally cool. Yeah. So here's a really easy way of breaking it down. For me personally, if you want to be an investor in the crypto world, there's only two cryptos that you should realistically buy. One is Bitcoin and one is ETH. Okay. If you are a true investor, that means that you don't take profits until very far down the line, until like retirement age, something like that. That's why when people invest in the stock market, it's totally different to trading. That's why you can buy the S&P 500 and wait 20 years. And if you contribute X amount every year, you're going to be a millionaire at some point. It's always going to go up. That's why Bitcoin and ETH work for the crypto world. So Bitcoin, a lovely way of thinking about Bitcoin is, it is the world reserve currency. It is the dollar, except for the crypto world. If you believe in crypto, you'll also by default believe in Bitcoin, because that's how most crypto is traded. Yeah. Ethereum, the main decentralized smart contract platform on which virtually everything that has that functionality in crypto operates on. 80% of crypto that has that functionality, DeFi, NFTs, etc., all of those things operate on Ethereum, yeah? If Ethereum fails, the space fails by default, okay? So when you believe in the space, you also by default believe in Bitcoin, Ethereum. Everything else is more fluid. Everything else is maybe it'll work out. Everything else is like the ask Jeeves in 1990 when the internet era was just taken off. If anybody doesn't remember ask Jeeves, that's exactly my point. Okay. It didn't take <laughs> off. You know what I mean? That's exactly my point. Yeah. Google, but guess what did take off Google. So for every 100 search engines, there was one Google and there was 99 ask Jeeves, you know what I mean? So that's the equivalent of playing with altcoins. So therefore, You could, if you spread your wealth across 100 things, you invest in 100 things, even if one does take off, it has to do 100x before you've broken even, okay? So that's realistically the game that we're playing right now. And that's why you must trade it. And therefore, the second you buy an altcoin, the second you buy Shiba, I'm not even saying don't buy Shiba. You know, I bought Dogecoin in in, uh, December last year. I made some money from it, but you know what I did? I got in and I got out because I know that it's never going to go anywhere. Ultimately, you can trade, you can invest in those and make money. You just have to have a very short-term stance on it and you have to have a good understanding of
0: when is a good time to get in and a good time to get out. Dude, that's that's so powerful. And I've had I've had a couple guys on here who, I've had guys on who who only do Bitcoin and then I've had guys who only do altcoin on here. And the guys who do the altcoin, I had a, a funny guy on here, Josh Settle, who said, you know, investing in altcoin, the concept of it is you cannot ride the same unicorn twice. And it's just getting to the same aspect of what you're saying, James, where it's like, you know, get in, get out. You made some returns. That's awesome. You know, it's it's a realistic investing, you know, um, machine. But hey, dude, once it goes up and you get out, dude, you got like get out, dude. You cannot ride the same unicorn twice. So I just I draw that connection in my mind to what you're saying. And I think that's so powerful when it comes to altcoin And um, yeah, it's super interesting, dude. Like looking in the next year, the next 12 months, 24, 36, five years, dude, I'm curious. I mean, any major thoughts on how you see the crypto space expanding? And and what do you think is kind of like the end game here, maybe five or 10 years from now? That is an awesome question. I definitely think that
1: NFTs are going to be absolutely huge. And they're so much more than just JPEGs that you can copy and paste and that's coming from the guy who thought they were just jpegs you can copy and paste as of about 4 weeks ago I had the privilege of listening to Gary V speak in London not that long ago and he completely changed my stance and understanding of them and how they are basically a means that you can invest in someone's individual brand company but invest in a even like a pop culture event or anything that has relevance and significance online in internet culture that is a way that you can buy into that be profitable without having to consult a third party and letting that transaction be between you and one other individual and have that managed by the blockchain therefore making it more efficient that's why nfts are so cool i think nfts are going to be ubiquitous 10 to 15 year time frame but what what layer 1 smart contract solution is that going to be hosted on is that going to be ethereum is that going to be solana ethereum needs to sort out its gas fees cuz they are way 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 too high at this point yeah if that can happen that will that will allow that process that will allow that to occur very you know in a, in a really, you know quite a short time frame i think that that's going to happen that's the main thing that i'm saying the end game right now is that we have virtually every company That makes money as a third party their role in society is virtually diminished to close to nothing because the blockchain can the blockchain basically outsources that functionality it removes the need for that functionality to be outsourced places it on is managed totally by software and then what that means at that stage is that you don't have to pay a third party to manage any of this stuff And things become so much more efficient and effective at this point. I genuinely think there is a reason why people call the blockchain and crypto Web 3.0. And that's because it's going to revolutionize our lives as much as Web 1.0 did. I think it's going to revolutionize our lives more than Web 2.0 did. The transition from web 2 to web 3 is going to be even greater than web 1 to web 2, but from web 0 to web 1 was absolutely massive. I, but I still think I actually still think it might trump that even still. It's going to be huge.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's incredible and and how many, you know, trajectories this thing go on is is insane. And it's like I'm I'm super interested in like looking at how world governments really tackle this over the next year and and what the implications of that, I mean tax programs are already starting to roll out in the US and stuff like that. What have you seen in the UK? And and what are your thoughts on, I guess, on government intervention over the next 12, 24, 36 months? Here's the thing. Here's the thing on that one. So at the moment,
1: we've seen a very progressive stance from the UK government. So on on the HMRC's website, HMRC is the organization which manages the UK's tax affairs and the relationship of the UK government with its citizens is mediated by HMRC. It is the body that is responsible for collecting taxes. On their website, they have a page dedicated to crypto assets, okay? I feel like for me, any country that says we want to ban crypto, we want to ban Bitcoin, we want to ban blockchain, is a bit like saying we want to ban the internet, okay? And how much would that impede a country's progress, the privileges of its citizens, their rights, their freedom? That's a level of invasiveness that banning web 3.0 has at this point for me only from the point of view that it has so many potential benefits to that society that to ignore it and try to quash it is basically like saying actually we're quite happy to stay in the dark ages plus as well as that you're cutting yourself off from an incredible amount of entrepreneurs Web 3.0 at the minute is basically the main thing that sucks in young, intelligent people from the computer industry. To do that to your economy is a bit like pushing the self-destruct button, in my opinion. And that's why I believe most governments, most Western governments, most civilized countries will recognize that. And therefore, they'll understand that they cannot do it. It's already at that point, in my opinion, where it's too big and you can't stop it. Yeah. Now it's just... Now it's just trying to find a way to adopt it, which still maintains the power quote powers, the, the uh, status quo, who's powerful and who isn't in society. And I don't know how that's going to pan out. But I think that the people at the top are probably too smart to realize that they can't do they can't stop it already.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you. The people at the top, they, they know where this is going. And, and there's there's no stopping it. We're too far down the line of- of the world implications that this has. And I think you made another great point on like this adds a lot of value to countries as well. And they, and governments need to understand that as well. And that's super important aspect. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, I think it's, it's on an upward trajectory and, and we're too far down where, where uh, there's any way to stop this. So it's super interesting, but I, I want to, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, can I say one thing about yeah. why Bitcoin will always have value
1: no matter what? will always, always, always have value. Think about the number of countries in the world which have hyperinflationary currencies but have no means to purchase something which will mitigate the fact that they lose their wealth virtually every day because overnight that currency becomes worthless, yeah? Those people do not have the means and infrastructure to purchase something like gold or bonds which will retain wealth, yeah? Think about it. How many people in those, how many, how ubiquitous are smartphones these days? they're what, like there's, isn't there, I can't, I don't know off the top of my head, but they're virtually, smartphones on this earth are probably as ubiquitous as human beings. There's a, sim, a similar amount. And even though lots of people don't have access to computers, they computers in the conventional sense, like laptops, etc. they do have smartphones. What can anybody who has a smartphone do? They can buy crypto and they can buy Bitcoin. Okay. If Bitcoin is seen as something that is deflationary, something that becomes scarcer with time, then even if it's just solely related to those countries in those areas, it will always have a value. So it, people who say, oh, it can go to zero. It's just, it's, it's this, it's that that tells you in itself that that cannot happen because there's always going to be people who wish to buy it from the point of view that it's literally bet- anything is better than their own traditional currency in their own country and if you've got billions of billions of people doing that you've already got something powerful there never mind what
0: it can do for the rest of the world James, you're dropping so many truth bombs. It's unreal. This this is a crazy. This is a crazy episode right now because yeah. <laughs> you're hitting on the aspect of a deflationary currency, which is a huge aspect in the U.S. right now. I mean, oil gas prices are like four dollars a gallon right now in the Northeast United States. I mean, inflation is is being talked about every day, and as long as you have a deflationary asset like Bitcoin, it's always going to have value, and that's such an incredible aspect. I'm I'm really glad you brought that up. It's so true and it's the fact that it's so accessible that's the thing there there's a
1: stat that floats around 50 to 60 percent of the world are unbanked they don't have access to a bank we just take that for granted you walk down the street and you see if you get a bank you know what i mean that's 50 60 percent of the world are crying out for something like bitcoin
0: dude it's it's so easy low barrier of entry and easily accessible like you said i mean it's it's crazy. It, it's when looking at the implications of this. It's like, oh my god, it's, this is insane, dude. So it's, I'm so glad you hit on all that. Um, I, I wanted to segue, dude, and I've got a couple questions about like creating like a thought leadership platform because, like I said, brother, I'm a huge fan of your podcast, your Facebook group, everything you do to take people on this journey is incredible. Like, I'm I'm curious. Like, even like, I don't want I don't mean to back up the interview, but like as you were thinking about launching a podcast and a Facebook group, brother, like, what were your thoughts on that, and and what's that creation process kind of like of hey this is really cool and i want to share it with so many other people and help them on this journey man I'm, I'm i'm really interested in what you think i hear you great question and i think the very first illusion for me
1: sorry the very first illusion for me before i i i ventured on this voyage on this process on this journey was i thought having a social media presence was basically the diff the thing that differentiates Everyone else, the 90% who are just trying to get that one piece of viral content, yeah? Not even the 90%, they're like 99%. And then you've got the one, like the 1%, like fortunate people over here, you know, like uh, I don't even know. who were those guys that I'm just trying to think of an example off the top of my head. Someone, anyone who's got a massive YouTube following, you know what I mean? I thought that the one thing that always set them off was one piece of content that got them like a 100 million subscribers and then they were good to go. But now I see it from the other side. I actually realize it's about the graft. Okay. It's about shouting into a vacuum and not hearing anything back <laughs> for a long time, yeah? <laughs> a long, long time, yeah? And then eventually you get a few comments. I still remember the first day someone commented on my Facebook group who wasn't me, yeah? They, they actually, someone who made a post who wasn't me. And I was like, holy moly, this is progress, this is amazing, this feels so good. So long story short, what I'm saying is it's about the graft, yeah, 110%. And it's about growing in ways that you never really even thought that you needed to grow, or you could have imagined that you did. One being the cojones that it takes to put out your first video, okay? And I would advise anybody who's going down this route or process or path is to put it on your personal Facebook. Your personal Facebook on which you've got your childhood friends, your mom, your aunt, all of those things, yeah? Because if you can do that, you're invincible man you don't care about anything at that point yeah and that's what i did and i still remember my finger hovering over that post button the first day and i didn't know if it was going to work out i didn't know if it was it was going to work out but all i know was i'm going to 110% give this everything for these three four months while i've i'm unable to work i'm unable to do everything and you know what with a little bit of luck i was i, I, I was happy you know we got there uh but yeah it's about taking the leap
0: it's about not caring what anybody thinks and it's about the graph to summarize. Yeah, man. And it's, I I love how you said this. Like if you can post it to your friends and family, you can do anything, brother. And it's, it's so important. I think people are like, have these limiting beliefs where it's like, what's aunt Susie going to think? Or what's my grandma going to think? You know what I mean, dude? It's like embarrassing, but it's like, no, dude, just go for it. It's so much of it is up here. And you know what? I actually think on principle that
1: everybody's first video when they do that should be a bad one. Okay. Okay. Because if you can put out a crappy video where you can't get your words out, you stumble over what you're saying, you don't really make your point that well, and the editing's terrible, then you, again, that is another thing that will make you not care. And then as things get more polished later on, which eventually they will do, because if you keep pushing, you're going to get there. I 110% believe that. And if it doesn't work... You just mix it up, but you don't know what works and what doesn't until you try. There's so many confounding factors in this world. Human beings are just so impossible to reduce to a formula. It just doesn't happen. Yeah. So by trying to have this really formulaic strategic approach from the outset, that will hold you back more than anything else. You're best off just going for it. And just throw in enough things until you find something that works and having zero fear. That's the the best way I can summarize it. And it's not about that viral
0: post. It's about consistency. 100% One hundred percent agree, dude. And it's what people people want to start on Monday and again be done on Friday. But it's like no, it's putting out consistent content that adds value to people, and it's so important. And I think people are, like I said, are, they're afraid to jump in and God, what what what's my grandma going to think? And like I remember my first video I posted, dude, and it was like cringe worthy when I think back and I look at it, dude, it's so bad. But it's like, dude, I had to start from somewhere, you know? I'd never done it before, and it's like now I'm breaking out of my shell, and it's like, dude, the the lives that were impacted or we're changing lives so I think that's incredible dude and when I look at you know the idea of financial freedom I think of like as almost as a jungle and you have people on one side who are afraid to walk through the jungle and then you have people like yourself James who are kind of like that guide brother who guide people through the jungle I mean the feedback that you've gotten from your you know your Facebook group the podcast brother I mean has anybody ever reached out to you and been like James dude you've changed my life with what you put out I'm curious Well, I'm actually glad that you raised that because the love that you get
1: when you're someone that does that makes it all worth it in itself before it's anything else in the whole world, okay? Even before it's a business, before it's something that you do as a source of income or before anything else, the human side of it is incredible, yeah? And that was something that surprised me because I just wasn't prepared for that. The number of people that you don't know, they'll just reach out and say like really nice things or they're really happy or this touched them then yeah, that's such a brilliant thing. And where else can that happen? How can that happen elsewise, unless that first step is taken? And yeah, I have quite a few people who've reached out to me and said things like that along those lines. And specifically with the crypto course, I know that there's some people who have been able to implement what I've taught. And yeah, they've said, people have said those pretty much those exact words to me before, those exact words. Yeah, Yeah, And yeah. and how good does that feel? How else would that have ever happened? you know that's that sure as hell not going to happen if you're a dentist well okay it might but it's a lot less likely you know because because of the
0: nature of the game you know what i mean but this this is yeah i love this man it's so good yeah. I mean, like you said, I mean, helping people and adding value and, and changing people's lives. It's like the, it, it's, it's the best part of this business. And obviously, you know, we do this and this idea was to make money, but it's like, we can help so many people along this journey that it's incredible, dude. Um, the last thing I wanted to hit you with before we get ready to wrap up, dude, and we've talked a lot of mindset today and fate. And I, I love talking those things because I'm a huge believer in like law of attraction stuff when it comes to that, like when it, when it comes to like the mindset piece of financial freedom, brother, like I, I guess what are your thoughts on that? Like actually being able, because I'm sure there are people listening right now, James, who are like, man, I, I, I'm in the nine to five right now. There's no way I could do what James does or what Jesse does or anything like that, brother. Like crushing those limiting beliefs and having that mindset to attain financial freedom. Um, you know, what should people be doing along those lines? People should, first of all, recognize that
1: a lot of what holds each and every one of us back is up here. And I look back on myself about 13, 14 months ago and I think I was crazy to think all those things that I did. I was crazy to ever feel stuck because the second that you put yourself out there on the internet, you will never be stuck. You always have momentum and you always have something that to aspire towards and drive yourself and push yourself towards because you know the sheer fact that you're helping others. Here is something that I will say on that. I will say that investing and financial freedom is more about discipline apart from anything else. And regardless of your pay package and your wage, there are people who have made millions on janitor's wages by investing over 20, 30 years, you know? Look up the story of Ronald Reed, okay? What What did those people do? They just invested consistently with time. They took it upon themselves to take some time to educate themselves on those principles. And I feel like, for me, the greatest psychological thing that holds a lot of people back in the investing world is that they feel that it has to be something complex, and it really, really, really doesn't. And you can actually invest your own money and attain a higher result than probably most advisors can attain because of the rules of the game. It's nothing to do with skill or expertise. It's the fact that they have to take some money home themselves off your income and off your winnings, okay? Okay. And if you are able to do that, if you are able to invest and not have to worry about that little bit, that little, that shaving coming off the top, then that one, 2%, that builds up to special things over time. In the UK, here's an example, right? In the UK, the typical, the typical return that you will get from investing with a financial advisor after they've deducted their fees is like six and a half percent a year. If you literally buy the S&P 500, the America's stock market, a representation of America's economy. You will have made 10% every year since 1957 if you would reinvest your dividends, your returns from dividends. Okay. So you can literally beat what an FA will give you. Okay, I hear what people will say. Yeah, but an FA will have a fund that has bonds in it and it's less volatile
0: and all of those things. But all I'm saying is is food for thought. Yeah, dude, it's it's so true. And and it it comes back to the consistency piece and like treating this and and how I think of it as a marathon, brother. It's not a sprint. You know what I mean? It's it's investing every single day. and, And like you said, it's, it's having that right mindset that, you know, this isn't that anybody can do this. And I always tell that to everybody with the right education and the right steps, brother, anybody can do what you and I do. You know, there's nothing special about what we do. And I think that's so important, bro. But dude, I, I've got two more things I want to, I want to get your thoughts on and, and neither of them are, are, are financial related. One's actually dentist related, but I, I just wanted to ask you brother and, and the thoughts on the industry I guess, what's your perspective on people that are afraid to go to the dentist? I mean, it's a, it's a huge idea. It's a huge myth. I love going to the dentist. Uh, my parents spent a ton of money when I was in middle school. Um, I ha- I had to get braces. So I take like my teeth like super seriously. Like I don't chew tobacco or smoke cigarettes or anything like that. I mean, your thoughts, dude, on like the everyday people out there that are afraid to go to the dentist? That is such a good question. I would say that a
1: lot of those fears stem from a understanding or perception of dentistry which has been given to you by an external source that isn't necessarily unfounded that isn't necessarily founded sorry or it's from an experience that happened to people once upon a time way back when and our brains are so good at taking one piece of evidence and just extrapolating it to everything because you know what our brains are really good at trying to get us to survive. It's that survival instinct, yeah? So when you recognize that, and when you recognize that actually, whatever this thing was, once upon a time, something you were happened when you were a child, or something that happened, I don't know, as an adult, if you set the boundaries to your dentist today, and you say, listen, you know, this happened to me, this is how I feel, can we take things slow? Is there something that we can do to mitigate this? And just have a conversation, just treat your dentist like a human being and you will be stunned because guess what? They are a human being and they don't wanna hurt you either.
0: Dude, that's incredible advice. I've never thought to do that. And <laughs> it's like, dude, everybody's a human being like, and I'm sure they you know, they live, breathe, eat, sleep this industry. Obviously it's their profession. It's just like, yeah, like we run into this all the time. Like, thank you for letting me know. You know, I can maybe position my way differently if you're a little uncomfortable in this position to make you more comfortable dude and it's so true i never thought about that um, oh, for real for real
1: honestly and you know what that makes it easier for the dentist too cuz then they're not then they have a complete understanding of what your boundaries are rather than trying to guess those and treat you the same as every other patient that comes to the door which is you do the exam you you do it gently you do it in this fashion and until you know any better you're going to do that exactly the same for everyone you know what i mean and like i say and like, trust me from the bottom of my heart every single virtually every single dentist out there if not all of them cares so much yeah and for you to say that to them is so helpful for not just them but also you as
0: well and yeah humanize people humanize everyone is a human being yeah, 100% dude. I'm so glad you brought that up. And yeah, that's what it is. And it, and just like, almost like being in financial you know, services, it's like, I'm sure that dentist wants to create reoccurring customers and wants to supply a product in an environment that is best for his, uh, for his patients. So like, I I find that so important, just having that human conversation of like, Hey, you know, this is what makes me uncomfortable. Can we do something different? You know, it's, yeah. it's so powerful, dude. It's such a, like a limiting belief. And, and I, I love the dentist, dude. It's, it's awesome. But, uh, you know, so many people out there are, are, you know, unfortunately afraid of it. So I find that when when I had a dentist on, I was like, dude, I've got to ask James this question and get his thoughts on it. So, <laughs> um, the last thing I wanted to hit you with James, I, I hit this with everybody and I've always have super unique answers to it, dude. So I'm really intrigued what yours is going to, James Martin's living the perfect life, brother. What does that look like? I'm curious. The day to day, yeah. I think you know
1: what. I really believe that you have to be. Here's an expression that I really like. Okay, you trade the nine to five for the the seven a.m. to eleven a.m., and that is totally what happens. Because I, I feel like it's like this for most people. Who have their own business and who work from home and all of those things, work and what you genuinely enjoy, they're the same thing. Okay. And that's how it is for me. And it's so hard to draw that distinction between working and not working because you actually enjoy what you do. But for a lot of people, I feel like. It's put on a pedestal that life looks like an ideal from the outside from looking in. And don't get me wrong, I love this. I I would do this every day over dentistry. And that's because not because I hate dentistry. But all I would say is you have to be prepared for how much time and effort it is, and it never stops. And when you when someone works with me, when someone works in with someone who has got that mindset. For me, it's more about getting that person the result that I want. And what that means is that you have it doesn't just stop when it's a nine to five. It's like seven a.m., eight a.m., all of these things go in that extra mile for people. But at the same time, how rewarding is that? Because you get that love back and you feel it. You feel it. You get it in return. So it's not like it's a one way street or anything like that. All I would say is be prepared for the effort that you have to put in. It is an incredible amount of work but it is so rewarding and it is the only way that you can realistically live that life. And as soon as you let go and understand that that is a necessity and not an option, then at that point, you have a way, way, way better chance of succeeding and being able to leave the nine to five. Work, the work never stops. You work hard, okay? Everybody says work smart. You have to work hard at the very beginning and in order to work smart. And I'm still at that working hard phase right now, but you know what? I'm so happy because I love what I do. And there's so much, this is where the magic happens, you know, when you're in a, like nine to five, um, for me, I always felt like, now there's nothing wrong, nothing wrong with that. But for me personally, it's horses for courses, everybody's different. I always felt like for me, is this it? Am I just going to go to this room every day for the next 30 years? And there was always part of me that just felt like I had all this energy bundled up and I didn't know
0: where to put it. Yeah, man. It's, it's so powerful and, and leaving that nine to five. And it's like, I I love that. Like we're interviewing like right after this happened in, in your life and your career, because I think it's so powerful brother. And it's like, it's like what I've asked myself is like, what is my true potential? Like, what if I, if I stop doing the nine to five today, you know, cause I know there are people like on this fork in the road that are like, man, I can keep going down this path. And like you said, go to the same room every day for the next 30 years. Or what if I bend off this, you know, you know, less walked path and I go a different direction. That's a little more unbeaten. You know, what, what could, you know, what's the true potential of that? It's, it's so incredible. James, brother, I, I can't thank you enough dude. anything to add there at the end, anything.
1: Big love, my friend. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. It's been so much fun. And I really, really, really hope that I've helped at least one person out there who's listened to this
0: by appearing today. That's all I want one person. And I'm happy. 100% James, you've helped, you've helped thousands of people, brother. There's no way this was only going to help one person. James, for the people who are inspired by the story, dude, who, who love you know, your ideas and stuff, you know, what are the best platforms to reach you out on? How can they contact you? I mean, the podcast, the Facebook group, where can they follow up and you know, hear more about you? Thanks so much, man. Yes. Yeah, so
1: best place to find me is where the magic started and that's on Facebook. If you Google search Dentists Who Invest, a community group for dentists who enjoy trading, feel free to join that group. You know what? I started it out. It was aimed towards dentists. It was specifically something that targeted dentists. It was bringing finance to dentists and giving it a unique slant. But you know what? As the things evolved and as we went through time, about 80, 70, 80% of the stuff on there even as far as 90 a lot a great deal of the stuff on there is not specifically home towards dentists and i genuinely believe it can help anybody who wants to improve their financial literacy which by the way should be all of us because it is so so powerful yeah so feel free to hit me up on there you'll find me on there full name james martin as jesse said at the start group admin and feel free to drop me a message about anything and everything i get back to every single person that messages me so please do get in touch I do have the podcast that is the Dentists Who Invest podcast. You can find that on Apple, Spotify, virtually all major podcast hosts have it because I've, yeah, well, I've linked up with them and I put it on there, but those would be the main two that I've just described. I have an Instagram as well, Dentists Who Invest on Instagram. I don't do a terrible deal on Instagram, but if Instagram is your favorite platform, we can connect on there. Feel free to drop me a message, but the main hub of the activity it would be dentists who invest a community group for dentists who enjoy trading and that is of course on facebook as i said before so feel free to join that whoever you are
0: to learn more about how to improve your financial literacy james martin everybody dude i cannot thank you enough thank you for coming on today the knowledge bombs everything you're just a cool dude you squash okay. the myth on being afraid of the dentist you've helped so many people Thank you again, James. It was a pleasure, brother, and I can't wait. And like I said in the beginning, brother, the universe deemed this to happen because it knew how much content it would add, how much value it would add, brother, and that's what we're doing here. So I appreciate you, brother. Big love, my man. Thank you so much for having me. Peace. Peace, James. Thanks, bro. Hey, thanks again for listening to the Wealth Science Podcast. Take some time to subscribe and leave us a review. It really is the basis that helps us continue to bring on amazing guests each week. We have another incredible story to share next week, and I'm certain it's going to add value to this community. Please do not hesitate to reach out if there's anything I can do to help you in your journey of attaining financial freedom. Thank you again for listening, and we'll see you next week.